You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Welcome to the 602 Club, Track FM's local watering hole. So excited to be with you tonight. And I am here with, as always, pretty much always, the, uh, well, the wonderfully talented and, and, well, the only one, Christy Morris. Go on. <laughs> you were saying. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I just was out collecting some soil samples, uh, some boron-based stuff. I think we're fine. I think it'll be good. I do. You, did you run a scan? No, um, but you know we can do that when we get back to Earth. It's fine. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, as long as you put it in some sort of containment field, we'll probably be okay, right? Yeah. I mean, even though I breathed in some of it, I think you know. Um, oh well. I mean, definitely no virus here. Wrong? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, tonight we are going to be talking about a, a new series that had started on Netflix called Another Life, starring the one and only Katie Sackoff. And uh, before we do that, just a quick reminder that uh, you can find the 602 Club wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we're everywhere podcasts can be had. Uh, but if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do give us a star rating review. Um, I know every podcast asks for those, but it's because they really truly are important and they make a difference. So if you're listening to the show and you like what you hear, give us a star rating review. Let us know what you think of the show. And if you do that uh, over on Apple Podcasts, we'll read your review on the show. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at TrekFM or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. We have a listeners-only discussion group over there on Facebook called the Babel Conference. Uh, you can get there two ways. One is to type Babel into the search field on Facebook, or you can go to the website at Trek.FM and hit any of the uh, the menu bars you'll see on any of the show pages. Um it says discussion. Just hit that, and that'll lead you over there. And then uh, last but not least, you know, Christy and I love getting emails from people, too. Love, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people have good ideas of things they might want to hear on the show, or maybe you have thoughts on what we talked about. Go over to uh, trek.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and then that comes to Christy and I. And we want to thank our associate producers to make this show possible uh, each and every week, Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah, they make sure that the show keeps coming to you each and every week here through Patreon. This is a huge network. Trek FM cannot have all of these shows without listeners just like you supporting us through Patreon.com. Um, now, if you would like to do that, go to Patreon.com slash Trek FM. There are a lot of different contribution levels you can give at that give you some even extra perks. But honestly, in the end, every little bit helps, and the more people giving, the better it is for the network to make sure that all of the quality content keeps coming to you each and every week. So that's patreon.com slash trackfm. Christy, we mentioned that this is a new show, and um, so I just wondered for you, just kind of, before we kind of really get into everything... What were you kind of hoping from this one when maybe you saw uh, the preview there on the old Netflix, which, well, it feels like they have some sort of new show every single week. Yeah, Netflix has really expanded into this Netflix originals realm. So uh, I've seen a lot of that. But 
this one, I was really, you know, I felt like I um, was getting the vibe of classic sci-fi from the get-go with seeing mm-hmm. the posts online about it, um, the way that they have the logo for the show, Another Life, um, how you see the O in Another will flip to different symbols. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, maybe that's going to come into play at some point. Um, and then I love Katie Sackhoff because you and I both watched Battlestar Galactica, uh, the newer series, and she was incredible, I think, as Starbuck. So seeing her as a lead role in this really got me excited to watch this. Um, so I was really hopeful coming into it, and I love a lot of classic um, science fiction, space travel kind of movies, like Aliens was my first one. Um and then later on, stuff like Mission to Mars or whatever. So Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's totally true. And it, yeah, I think, you know, going into this, uh, to me, the, the very first draw is the fact that Katie Sackhoff is going to be doing the show. And I remember maybe over a year ago, you know, she had announced that she was going to go back to sci-fi for the first time uh, since Battlestar Galactica. And she was going to be on the show called Another Life that was going to be on Netflix, you know, and, and it's always interesting to, to watch these stars go in and do something like that. And, you know, for the most part, Netflix shows um, do a very good job of, of not being, you know, where they have too many episodes per season and all that kind of stuff. So I thought this could be really good. Um, the fact that she would want to go to sci-fi, you know, I felt like, you know, she already did Battlestar Galactica, which... You know, you can argue about the merits of Battlestar Galactica by the end, but, you know, the first two seasons are some of the best television ever created, I think. Yep. Uh, and so uh, the fact that she would want to do it, I was like, OK, well, that that must mean something, you know. Um, and like you, like I'm a sucker for a good, you know, sci fi show. I mean, and that, you know, uh, let's see, I think last year, Brandon Shamatola and I. Uh, here on the show talked about their reinvention of Lost in Space, which mm-hmm. I very much enjoyed. So, you know, all things considered, going into this show, I guess I, I would say I had really high hopes because of what I kind of was seeing with the um, previews and the people involved and just the kind of the idea of, of the show, you know. And so, yeah, I would say... To start off, you know, going into the show, I don't know if I was necessarily like, I wasn't like super hyped or anything, but I was like, oh, I bet this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was coming in from, too. So I, I think that um, it, it didn't really highlight anyone else as much in the show because they had such big players like Katie and then Selma Blair. Um, so I think that they were kind of focusing on them a lot and bringing in lesser known people here and there and then they slowly grew those characters over time yeah no absolutely so okay i think you know for this it's kind of important to maybe i guess start with what the story is for the the show and kind of what we thought then about you know how the story plays out throughout the first season um so basically it's kind of your classic thing like aliens come to our planet they land a ship that creates this very strange looking structure that looks like a trillion dimensioned diamond that's yeah. really tall and so as the team of scientists try to study this artifact 
Another team goes to investigate the origins of the alien life on a ship called the Savari. And, of course, Katie Sackhoff is our lead astronaut on that, as well as her husband being one of the lead scientists on the mission with the artifact. And so both of those stories are running concurrently throughout I would say a majority of the season. In fact, even the, I feel like the first episode, we kind of get to the status quo of what the se- series is going to be pretty quickly. I mean, they don't waste a lot of time. No, I think that they're, it, it seems a little bit serendipitous that the stars of each field are happen to be married to each other. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think that they do a really good job of kind of just throwing you into the action and then explaining more later. And I love that kind of storytelling. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on getting to know everyone at the beginning and then getting into the serious action and climax of the show. So I liked that they just kind of threw you into it, um, that you really have a serious problem that they have to tackle right off the bat. And then you know that that's what's going to be the focus, that it's not really so much about all the other things going on in their lives. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the... I would say, you know, for a show like this, I think the best way to kind of introduce characters then becomes, you know, through the action of the show. You know, if you're going to if you do it well, um, that's really the best way to do that. So set up the premise, try and set up an interesting premise for us and then um, set up the rest of what we'll get in the show with the characters wise, like build them then throughout the season. So um, for you. As we kind of like this story, then how do you feel it kind of like lives up to that premise then what it begins with? How do you feel like um, it does kind of moving us through the season and, um, you know, where we kind of leave off then at the end? I think that it goes very up and down. Um, At first, it seemed like the first episode even was uh, all over the place. Like it started off well. And then when they get to uh, Nico and Yerksa arguing, I got why they were upset with each other. But it just seemed to escalate way too quickly to him trying to kill her. To where you're thinking, okay, would it really have provoked him that far And if he was such a great captain before that all of these crew members really loved, how would he have that kind of personality like hidden under the surface? So that just seemed kind of implausible to me. Um, But I liked the general premise of where they wanted to go with it, that, you know, they are the one group of people that's able to figure out where this artifact came from and what the aliens want and then report back to Earth and solve the problem. Um, and I like the whole thing with her husband figuring out that sounds and music were the way to communicate and solve the puzzle. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a good way to put it. The You know, the idea that, you know, because you get this idea that obviously humans have space flight, you know, they have an FTL drive, you know, so they can go faster than light. They have, uh, you know, their stasis tubes, you know, those kind of things. So, um, it feels very classic sci-fi in that sense. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of different sci-fi tropes being kind of put together to to create the show. And, um, you know, then the whole idea of uh, trying to figure out how do you talk to the alien artifacts so you can kind of figure out what it is that they want um, is is another classic thing. And I think 
the uh the other added thing and you mentioned you know the the Selma Blair Blair character um you know the interesting thing that they I felt like they tried to do in the show I don't know if they were totally successful in it but was this idea of at least in this future where the media it seems to be omnipresent and have um an even more important role in the you know kind of flow of information and be even worse than it is today in some senses just how i just again i I say omnipresent because that feels that's how it feels like it's just like it's everywhere all the time Mm -hmm. um and is able you know these these media influencers have um they don't just have a uh a feeling of self-importance like it's it is you know delusions of grandeur uh, of how important they are for the world. And so, you know, I thought that was interesting, but I guess I, I didn't feel like that ever truly played out. And I think you're absolutely right that Yerksa and Nico's fight, it immediately told me that there's something off with the writing of the show that it would escalate that quickly because yep. these people are supposed to be part of some sort of military organization. And like, this is not how anybody would act in any of those type of, of fields um, when they're supposed to be the absolute best in their field. And that feeling continued to happen throughout the rest of the series with all of these people that were part of this crew, especially on, especially on the Solvare. Nobody ever felt like they were a, a even like a normal human being. It was just like... They all just felt like they were on some sort of stimulant all the time. So they were over angry and over stimulating. Overacting. Like, <laughs> like but they were they were always like bickering and biting at each other and in the sense of like just back and forth the the bickering and it just never seemed realistic that these people would be are supposedly the best in their absolute best in their fields mm-hmm. and also part of this you know space force or whatever it is because they never really describe that either like th- that's the one thing the show doesn't do a great job of is really kind of setting who these people are and why they're a part of this crew and everything like you got the feeling from the story that nico had trained most of them right but- and they even mentioned that she trained yorksa yeah but yeah, like I, I completely agree. I'm glad you said that about why were they chosen? Are these actually the experts in their field or whatever? Because, you know, they even have that moment where I think it was um, the biologist that ends up getting sent out the airlock by Bernie. But before that, they're talking to each other and, and the guy's treating Bernie like he's just a total idiot. And he's like, yeah, anyone would have known that boron in this case would cause a virus didn't you take like microbiology or something like you're supposed to be an expert on something to be on the ship so i don't get why you're here (laughs) exactly but like everybody just feels like an idiot and everybody just feels like and i'd say this everybody feels as though they're a teenager Mm -hmm. where Everybody has these like heightened emotions all the time. Um, everybody, for the most part, apparently is horny, um, right. which is ridiculous. Um, and like and nobody feels, and this is the problem. 
absolutely none of these characters, except for possibly Nico, maybe, feels like a professional. Like, nobody ever acts professional. And I think that really bothered me. And partly because I'm so used to um, good sci-fi shows like, you know, Battlestar Galactica, I think it did a much better job of this because you had a reason for these people to be on edge, right? Because they're the Mm -hmm. last of humanity. They're, They're literally fighting for their lives. Like, these people are on a very important mission, but... They don't know if it's life ending. Um, they don't know if what these aliens even want. And and at the beginning of the show, even like people are immediately and I hate to use the word, so I won't. But like complaining, but the the mean version of that. Um, mm-hmm. They are just like over complaining about everything from like the moment like they get out of stasis. And I just I don't understand. it's the biggest problem with the show i can't understand what the motivations of these characters are other than them all feeling like petulant children right and i mean they all seem like they're always angry they don't seem like they really feel any kind of purpose or deeper (laughs) reason why they're there i'm always angry (laughs) (laughs) but you know like um I think that there are some occasional genuine moments, but there could have been a lot more. Like, it actually was really funny seeing Nico and Kaz sitting in the forest full of, um, I guess, drug flowers <laughs> that got them turned into flower children. <laughs> right. Um, but they had an honest conversation. And even though, you know, their inhibitions were down and they said things maybe they didn't want to reveal it was a good conversation and a revealing moment for the two of them and then later Mm -hmm. helped their relationship grow. And that's another thing that storytelling wise, I absolutely hate when shows do this where they show you basically the end of the episode and then they say five hours earlier. This show did it an exorbitant amount of times and it drove me crazy each time because I find it one of the laziest storytelling structure ideas unless it's done really really well and I would say unfortunately this show doesn't do it really really well Um, it uses it as a crutch and most of the time watching them get back there again I just felt like so many of the problems that they face throughout the season it's like they couldn't find a way, it felt like, to truly make the episodes uh, and what the Solvari is doing. Because most of the problems that they face are are by these people just being kind of dumb. Right, like Bernie accidentally bringing the virus on board. And then people end up dying because of it. And mm-hmm. it's purely because of doing something stupid that he was actually yeah. told not to do. Um. And I wondered, too, I mean, they never explained why almost everyone on the ship, except for Nico, seemed to be around the same age and a lot younger than her. I guess it was because they felt like if they're having to travel light years somewhere, even though they have the stasis tubes, that they would need to be young so that they could grow old out in space. I, I guess. I don't know. I, I also, I would say, story-wise... I did not really enjoy them choosing to allow people to just wear whatever. It's yes, like, it I noticed kind that. Of, yeah, it's strange that on some sort of military type vessel, everybody just wears whatever they feel like. Um, 
and it just didn't it just never made sense and and i guess part of that is just because they're using all these other tropes but it's like that's the one that they didn't want to use they wanted to try and be cool and edgy but have everybody wearing just modern bell bottoms and you know yeah. a tight shirt and like there's a there's a there's an episode where Nico is wearing what looks like the most uncomfortable leather shirt sleeveless shirt thing which <laughs> I it's again like there's there's some very strange choices made in the storytelling of the show that just really I I think bothered me um so and then on the other side the part with the alien artifact was was slightly better, I felt like, and part of that was because it it wasn't going to such crazy lengths with all of the different shenanigans happening. It felt more, I guess, quote-unquote realistic, you know, in the way that they mm-hmm. were dealing with the alien artifact. Um, I think more than anything, I was, I was hurt by um, some of the choice of actors in the roles that didn't just truly have me feel interested because I just didn't really enjoy the performances. So, or was it anyone in particular? Yeah, uh, I gotta say, um, I didn't like uh, Justin Chatwin as Eric, her husband. I just didn't. Yeah. One, she had no chemistry with him. No, like, my wife even so said she has more chemistry with William than she does with Eric, her husband. Uh huh. Weird. And then you find out that she was um, going out with a guy on the Pilgrim, her mission long before. And um, at first I was like, oh, she was cheating on her husband. But then it was like, well, that was before I met my husband. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was just odd choice. Um, so, I, OK, so I don't think we can we, we probably we don't need to go through the entire cast. No. But before we do that, there is also a storytelling element that just truly bothered me. What was the point of the menage a trois? I know. <laughs> like it had there there is there is no character reason for it. There because mm-hmm. they never gave you one whatsoever, like why this would be a thing. And it just seems to kind of like it's just out of like nowhere and it does nothing for the characters other than make them kind of like more whiny and boring. I I just, I, I just do they just think we just need to sex this show up a little bit or something. I feel like maybe there's a lot of things here that seem inconsistent in a way that maybe it's different writers maybe that worked on different episodes because the things don't jive. And that's one of them because it seems like they break that apart into a couple episodes and in the first one, you do feel like the menage a trois is going to happen. In the second one, it's like, oh, she actually likes the other guy. And then in the third one, it's like, oh, they did decide to do that. And it's like, wait, why? And then it feels like the whole purpose was to just say, and now she's pregnant. And you're like, and we don't okay. know whose baby it is because that's never happened before. Well, supposedly they're saying they know whose baby it is. Okay. Well, it just um, the not hobbies. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that the whole thing felt strange and, and partly I felt like I felt like the whole series in general with the storytelling, I felt like it, it was trying to be um as on edge as possible, like as trendy as possible, as like kind yes. of out there as possible with some of these things. And 
most of them don't work and honestly kind of take away from the storytelling of the show because they just kind of seem like you were kind of saying it just kind of comes out of left field and then it's not necessarily handled very well and so you're just kind of left going wait why right and like they needed to just focus on telling a good story rather than saying we need to be edgy we need to fit all these things in here because the Mm -hmm. The artifact, like you said, is really cool, and that's unique and different from all the other sci-fi and space shows and movies we've seen, at least that I've seen. I don't remember seeing that in anything else. But everything else I do also feel like seems so derivative, I guess is the best word. Um, it, It reminded me of Lost in Space of Mission to Mars, of Aliens, um, and and felt like they were just taking things from all the other things they've seen, rather than going, well, I had this weird idea to try this thing, and I know it hasn't been done before, but it might work. Well, and I would say this, I think that that the story here is kind of hurt from the fact that when you think about it, this storyline is so similar in many ways to... Um, a good part of Arrival, you know, a, a good part of the story uh, of Arrival is just about, you know, all of these ships coming down and hanging over parts of the earth and trying to figure out what it is they want. And that's an incredible movie. You know, they don't have the whole, you know, spaceship part. So like you, you can tell a really interesting story even with just that part alone. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right in calling it. It feels like a crock pot of ideas that never kind of congeals into like a stew. It just feels <laughs> like everything kind of stays apart from each other and doesn't necessarily really all connect very well. You know, you want this kind of thing to be like a, a, a stew of ideas and you just kind of end up with it being more like, you know, a plate of ideas where, nope, don't let that part touch the other part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, especially with the um, reverse chest buster, I guess is what I would call it. It's the same kind of thing from Aliens, but it, you know, came out the spine instead of the chest. Mm-hmm. It just so, so many things. I was like, we've seen that before. <laughs> No, absolutely. No. Uh, And, you know, of course, more famously and much better. So uh, Katie Sackhoff, we mentioned it's one of the big draws. And, you know, she's our lead astronaut. She's the commander of this crew. Uh, You know, she's uh, been a commander before. You know, her backstory is one of somebody who had to make a very tough decision uh, to, you know, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few kind of thing. Mm hmm. And so how did you feel about her performance and and what she got to do story-wise? I think she definitely was prepared to do this kind of role again because of her role in Battlestar Starbuck. Um, Being a leader and being a pilot and those kind of things um, made her capable of doing this kind of role again. But I think that there were some really great moments with Nico and then some moments where I felt like and I hate criticizing Katie because I do love Katie, but it, it there were moments that I felt like she was 
too dry, I guess is what I would say. Not like the reverse of overacting where I just wanted a little bit more emotion from her. Um, and maybe part of that too was like you were saying with Justin Chatwin that they just didn't have any chemistry between the two of them. Um, and then they have, you know, this whole back and forth between her and Yorksa. Um, and then with the crew mistrusting her, it, I guess really the only parts that I really liked Nico were the way she feels about her daughter and her relationship with William, even though it's a computer, um, that whole back and forth about whether or not he's capable of feeling, I thought was nice, um, to explore. And then otherwise you're just kind of going eh. like you, you want your captain to have some heart and she felt kind of cold and mean. Yeah. And I, I think you're, you're rightly pinpointed like the, the fact that the crew just kind of seems angry at her all the time and immediately ready to turn on her. It, it, it just doesn't feel right. You know, yeah. um, and again, it's one of those things where nobody feels professional in this situation, in any of the situations, but specifically with her as the captain and everything. Uh, and, you know, her chemistry, yeah, with her husband doesn't work. The fact that she has more chemistry with a hologram uh, is, is, you know, disturbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the whole storyline that they go down with her and William is just absolutely disturbing to me yeah it's just icky they could have made it like their best friends rather than he's in love with her one because i feel like you've seen that before Mm -hmm. uh and two because i like i don't need a hologram rape yeah that's kind of what we get yeah you're right it's just it's disturbing and it's like, I just, again, this show was trying to be so on the edge with things that I don't feel like they really thought necessarily about what it would do to the character. And Nico is a character that is already having a hard time, I think, winning you over. Mm-hmm. And then you have her do something like that. And it's just like, you just lost me. Like, I'm just not interested in that. You know, like you, yeah. I've lost respect for the character in a way that's just like it's, it's it would be very hard. I feel like in a season two for them to get back for me. And I haven't seen anything indicating there will be a season two. So and I'll get to more of that later. But yeah, I can't remember. I, I don't know if I've seen anything online. Um, you know, maybe as we're talking, I'll, I'll look up and, and see if, if if they've said anything. So uh, mm-hmm. we already mentioned the fact that we you know we weren't super hyped about her husband um but the character they uh, the guy they playing william uh samuel anderson is great like william is probably yes. the most enjoyable character throughout the entire show and possibly one of the best actors in the show <laughs> i feel like william uh, same samuel anderson playing william i felt like was so believable in the way that he played what you think initially is another human being, but is actually a computer interface. And then later with his, um, you know, having to act like all of his memory files were deleted, I thought was really great. Because, I mean, you just get into this zone, I guess, as an actor. Well, how would a computer respond to something it can't process? 
Um, and, and he went with it and he was really good. And I, I do like, um, their description of why the interface looks like he does. Um, it says, you know, like it's something that I thought you would respond to well based on other things I've learned about you. Yeah. That I thought, yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, the, the idea of, you know, the fact that he can look like anyone basically. Um, and the, the fact that he had studied her psychological profile as an AI to give her something that she would respond best to and, and would find most friendly. And I think you're absolutely right in the sense of calling out, um, earlier that it would have been greater for them just to have them be friends at that point, you know, um, for her to have that sounding board, uh, that, you know, nobody else is for her on this crew, I think would have been more interesting than going down, you know, this other road, which is just strange. Um, so, and they tried to pawn it off as like, Oh, well, you know, she just really misses her husband. It's like, yeah, but it's still like she went and got a toy. It's weird. It's, 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 and it's so much ickier than that because she knows at this point that William has feelings for her and it's just like, it's this totally disturbing use of of something which, again, we're questioning whether or not it's actually alive or not, right? Um, mm-hmm. Whether it has feelings or not. And then she just uses it for her own benefit. And, and honestly, you know, date rapes the AI on the show. And it's 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 real disturbing. It's yeah. real disturbing. Um, and it doesn't have a good payoff for the for her as a character for sure. And then, of course, you know, it leads us to another story point, which will I did look it up. There will be a season two. It's renewed. So mm-hmm. um, where William basically creates life, he creates another A.I. that is. I mean, he he's a daddy. So, <laughs> well, or as it said, the mother. <laughs> yes, he called her mother, which was weird. Um, <laughs> that didn't make any sense. But yeah, he's a baby daddy uh, of a brand new AI. So that came out of nowhere, too, which was real weird. Yeah, but I, I get how it happened. I mean, he basically thought he could morph the alien tech. Yes. But yeah, it, it kind of became the Frankenstein's monster situation where he goes, okay, delete program, and then she won't go away. So mm-hmm. I do think that's fascinating having this other AI running around and like he doesn't know where it is. <laughs> well, and, and it seems like possibly that's a setup for season two that that would be one of the ways to defeat the aliens, right? Because she's yeah. basically part human tech. And then part alien tech, right? So right. she's more than meets the eye, I guess. She's like a tr- the Transformers of... Uh, so, um, yeah, it's just... And, and that's, I think, the other thing about that is that it's something that that I've seen before, you know, in, in like Star Trek. They've done that with the, the idea of, of, you know, the hologram being more than just a hologram kind of thing like mm-hmm. almost being sentient and all so uh they did it on star trek voyager with the doctor you know i mean so it's been done to death i guess so i guess the the only thing i could really say about any of the rest of the cast is jessica uh 
Camacho, who played Michelle, uh, the communications expert. She was on uh, Flash as uh, the girlfriend to to Cisco. Um, yes. So, yep, that's yeah, you she know, was that's gypsy. where I'd seen her. Uh, so I could place the fact that she's there. And, you know, I guess the other main big character here uh, and main actor was uh, Selma Blair. And I felt like she did a pretty good job with the role that she had. She doesn't have a massive part. Um, and, you know, I, I would think for really interesting for her filming this. I mean, she's been going through some incredible um, medical issues on her own. So mm-hmm. to, to watch her be in this show and to do what she did was was pretty incredible. Um, did anybody else kind of stand out to you that you liked in the cast? I, I thought it was interesting um, having, I guess you pronounce it, Jair Tanako as the medic um, and was doing some reading up on that um, actor as well as the character design for Zane. Um, and, uh, I get what they were trying to say that basically like the, a lot of times we've seen the medic has been, um, female, um, like we've seen in the Orville, but then, you know, of course we know, obviously in Trek, it, I, it was male. Um, so I feel like they were kind of trying well, to I mean, show depending that what show you are on. I mean, well, that's yeah. true. I'm thinking of film. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, next generation, <laughs> it's Dr. Crusher. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. But it, it really goes back and forth. But I guess they were trying to show that it could be anybody. Um, but I, I like that they had this genuine love between Bernie and Zane. Um, but I, I do think that it was also kind of another way for them to try and make the show more edgy having the medic be somebody who looked possibly transgender. Um, but I, I like that it didn't take away from the character. I do think that that is a good actor um, and that it was really a much more emotional performance seeing Bernie get to have something to do other than just being the dumb one. <laughs> yeah, and, and I thought um, that that's one of the, the best ways I, you know, to, to do that kind of role. Like they didn't ever really call attention to it. You know, right. it was just who this character was. And, and, and so instead of trying to, to, to have like, I think a big statement, they allowed the character to just be who they were. Um, and when you're doing those kind of things, I think that that's the best way to be able to do that, you know? And so, yeah, I agree with you that the performance was good. And I felt like the way that the show handled the whole situation was, well done. Um, and again, it was not, it, it was one of the very few places where the show did things, I think, in such an even keeled way, which mm-hmm. the rest of the show couldn't find a way to do about anything else. But this, they handled, I think, expertly in the sense that this is who this character is, you know, and, yeah. and there's never any explanations or like, you know, there's never the show where, you know, they have the big long speech or whatever. No, this just is yeah. who this character is. And I think that's the the best way to do any character, you know, honestly, regardless of, you know, what their orientation is or who they are as a character. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the best characters are the ones who are just are who they are. And there isn't a lot of like necessarily explanation needed right yeah Um, and like there's more to a person than just that you know their orientation 
Yeah, absolutely. And and that was the, the that you know, and what was what was fascinating about that character, I would say too, they're one of the few characters on the show that actually felt professional in their job as a, you know, because she was kind of a or they were, I guess I I'm not sure because they never and they, they never actually say what Zane's orientation is and so yeah. um, but Zane is somebody who has to kind of be a jack of all trades medically you know with all of the medical responsibilities plus like the psychological responsibilities for the crew as well so um yeah i mean honestly zane was probably the most professional character on the show which yeah. is kind of sad to say that they're really the only one even at, at, you know nico um no so when you have one out of you know like 15 characters we meet on the show Mm-hmm. 16 or more and only one of them feels like a professional human being that's not a good sign right oh i so. did mean to ask you though what did you think of um sasha you know uh sasha was a relatively interesting character um in the sense that you know part of it was is that i think i've you've, you've seen the possession before right mm-hmm. uh, the possession the character who's possessed by an alien that has to um it's trying to fight the alien, you know, but the aliens using them for them for invasion, everything. And so, uh, and as the person that was interesting in, in the sense of like his character was only sent on this mission because of his daddy kind of thing. So you have that all baggage. So it's not bad. I thought the actor was pretty decent. Um, yeah, but you know, the storyline for them, it, again, felt like a bag of cliches. Yeah, it, it's funny because it made me think a lot of like Doctor Who with the Cybermen that they yeah. come in, they <laughs> infiltrate your brain and they take over your body. Um, but it was, yeah, the just a little bit weak as far as the storytelling goes, but the actor was good with what he was given. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, I like the general idea of uh, it being like he him thinking he was going crazy at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, eh, kind of disappointing. Well, and it was kind of interesting, too, because, you know, the idea of, like, in, you know, the Hunt for October, we have the Russian political officer, right? And he's kind of the, what, the quote-unquote political officer on the ship, where he's meant to be the uh, ambassador, basically, to the aliens if they meet them and everything. So he represents mm-hmm. that whole side. So for the most of the show, in the end, you know, him being awakened, he doesn't really have a lot to do because... That's not any of his expertise, too. So then they have him with the whole possession storyline and, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned some of the things that you kind of stuck to you just thematic-wise. And, and obviously, I think humans versus, like, this artificial intelligence, which we see, especially with William and, you know, kind of playing around with is he sentient and how do we treat that artificial intelligence and all that kind of thing mm-hmm. gets played out. And I think... You know what we see humanity do is they treat that special that artificial intelligence pretty badly. Um, you know, William apparently can have feelings. He's a he's he's advanced enough to be able to have feelings, and yet they they treat him like something that they can just use, abuse, and then you know come back to whenever they need something and it just it's kind of like it 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 makes the humanity in this show seem like 
do we want them to be saved from the aliens? Because these people don't right. seem great. Like, what's worth saving with these people in particular? Yeah. I mean, I don't really know. So, and then, you know, I, it also plays with the idea of, like, tough decisions. And, and, you know, there are a few different times where we see, like, alien. We see people having to make tough decisions on, like, who lives and who dies. And, you know, that's that's not bad. I just, it, it's not, again, a lot of this seems like things that we have kind of seen before. Yes. Um, but I do, I don't know, I guess maybe it's the person, the optimist in me trying to see glass half full. But I do try to take away maybe what they were trying to say by writing this show. And this was something that I felt like we see a lot in Another Life is the goods of the many versus the the good of the few. Um, and Nico really struggling with that, that back on the Pilgrim, which was her first mission long before, um, that she had to make a tough decision where as the captain, she had to decide, do I save these 10 people and risk the rest of the entire ship? Or do I save the most people I possibly can and I have to jettison this piece with these 10 people? And honestly, I think most people would make the decision that she did, but you can't make it lightly and it does affect you after that because mm -hmm. you were responsible. Well, and I think one of the things that it at least does well is, is show the repercussions of like having to live with the consequences of the choice you make, you know, and... Mm -hmm one of the reasons that people on the ship don't necessarily trust her is because of what she did, right? Um, mm -hmm. Even though anybody who survived what she, the choice she had to make on the Pilgrim was very happy what she did, right? So she right. saved all of these people's lives with the cost of a few because if she didn't make that decision instinctively like she did, they everybody would have died. So, uh, yeah, um, I think some of the things that they're trying for are 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 interesting and could have been interesting. I think, you know, kind of coming to the end of where we might want to rate this. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What, what would you give this first season of this show since there will be a second season? I'm a little worried about where they're going to go in a second season. Um Yeah. <laughs> After the strange things that have happened in this one, and I do feel like the sexual nature of the show was way too overdone, and that especially being in the situations that they were in, I don't think that people realistically would be that interested in the sexual aspect of relationships because you've got so much at stake, and they're clearly so upset all the time. Um, so my rating, I kind of went back and forth, but I really feel like it's just kind of okay, but a lot of it felt really taken from other things we've already seen. Um, I've got a little bit of interest, so five out of ten druggy flowers, because that's all I got right now. Wow, you are really kind to this. I would say <laughs> this. I'm somebody who normally is pretty forgiving um, and it's on Netflix, right? So it's not free, but I'm already paying for it. So it's like I the second season when it shows up, would I watch it? I'd say I wouldn't even watch the second season because I don't, I could care less. And that is yeah. really hard for me to say. Um, but I think this is a very bad show. 
I think it's badly written. I think um, it is just a, they're hitting you over the head with a bag of cliches. And they're just not good cliches. There's nothing new here. There's nothing really interesting here. Um, And it's one of those places where I struggle to find a way to be, because I always try to be like, how would I fix this show? And I don't Mm -hmm. know how I would fix this show. There's too many Um, things to fix. It it is. Um, I would say, uh, to be constructive, I would say one of the ways you need to fix this show is that the, the character writing in the sense of like, Nobody feeling like a professional has to change. Like I would have had to rewrite all of these characters and to change just how they act towards one another because nothing, mm-hmm. none of, none of it seemed realistic to me in the situation that they're in, the people that they're supposed to be. So I just, I can't, that's the thing. This show, the most unrealistic thing about the show was not the aliens, was not that we're on a faster than light ship. It was the way the characters were interacting with each other. And that is a really bad thing. So I'd say this show is like one and a half out of ten, like uh, FTL drives. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's really, really bad. Um, definitely skip it. It's just not worth it. Um, and I'm sad to say that. Um, but I'm hoping that as we head on into recommendations, we've got some good recommendations for you here today. So Christy, what do you want to recommend to people this week? Well, clearly we would not recommend that you watch another life. (laughs) Um, no, I, I actually, um, other than this show started watching another new show, uh, also on Netflix called Outlander. And I don't know if you've heard of it. Okay. Have you seen it yet? I have not, but I know about it. How is it? It is incredible. And I mean, it's got some moments that are like Game of Thrones violent. Um, But it's a really great romance and it's got time travel and um, lots of Scottish accents and attractive Scottish men. So, Oh, that sounds great. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I, love Scottish accents. It's the best. Sorry to everybody else. Hey, no, that's great. Um, I'm going to recommend a fantastic Katie Sackhoff show that you should watch. And no, it's not Battlestar Galactica. It's Longmire. Hmm. Longmire is a fantastic show. It is based off a book series, um, the Longmire book series, about a uh, sheriff in a small Wyoming town. Uh, Katie Sackhoff plays one of his deputies. Uh, it is an engrossing show. Um, it is kind of like a modern Western in some ways, uh, but I love it. And Netflix actually took over the show, and I think it was, uh, I can't remember if it's the third or fourth season, um, so the show gets even better as you go along. Uh, and part of that is because Netflix ends up taking over the show from uh, the A&E network, and so the, the episodes get slightly longer the quality is even better, but I mean, I just really enjoyed it, and I I would say the ride you take from season one to the the last season is phenomenal, uh, and you will fall in love with these characters. And Katie Sackhoff is brilliant in the show. Robert Taylor, her the main lead in the show, the uh, plays Longmire. 
Uh, Sheriff Longmire is wonderful, and everybody else on the show is brilliant. So I would highly recommend you, if you're looking for a good Katie Sackoff show, this is the one. It's great. Um, the The first couple of seasons, are, you can tell they're very formulaic in the sense of like um, TV kind of like crime drama show, but there's this thread that's continually running through those first seasons that then the Netflix series... Uh, as the Netflix picks up the show, really carries on into the end of the show, uh, gets really serialized, super good. I mean, I blazed through all of the seasons very quickly at the beginning of the year because I just fell in love with it. So, yes, that's right. I spent like five minutes talking about why you should watch Longmire. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, go watch Longmire. Um, Christy, if people would like to catch up with you uh, and see what else you've got going on, because I know you've got a lot going on, where can people find you? Thank you. Uh, you can find me when I'm not here on the 602 Club with Matt. Uh, I also do a show every other week with my friend Teresa Delgado called Sabers and Spells, where we talk about Star Wars, Harry Potter. Uh, we just recently talked about Umbrella Academy, um, and we're going to be going into um more of that soon. Um, I also do a show um, with the Fanthatrax Network once a month called Planet Leia about women all over the world talking about Star Wars. And then once a month, I do a five-minute segment on the Star Wars report called Fashion in Five, where I update you on men's and women's Star Wars fashion. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bespin Bell. And I'll actually be at Dragon Con this coming weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend. So... Stay up to date with me on that. Yes, yes. Be following her. I will not be at Dragon Con this year with Celebration this year and Celebration next year. And the other vacation that I took this year just could not make it, which is really sad for me to not be in no, Dragon expensive. Con, which is like the first time in like three years, I think. Maybe yeah. four. Yeah. Well, that's so how we became crazy. friends. I know, I know. So, so sad to miss <laughs> that. And, uh, you know, quick fashion update. Make sure you get the brand new Ahsoka t-shirt from Her Universe for our yeah. universe because it fits men and women and uh, it's brilliant. And I just got mine in today and it's beautiful. So, um, that's my little fashion in five. Uh, you can <laughs> find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Vero under the name MattRushing02. Uh, you can also find me uh, here on the network doing the orb with Chris Jones. When we get a chance, we talk about Star Trek D Space Nine. You could find me on the Nerd Party Network. I do two shows over there. One is called Owl Post. That's with Drea Kaufman. And we are walking through every chapter of the Harry Potter series we are almost finished with. We just have a couple chapters left in the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, and then you can find me doing aggressive negotiations with john mills we're talking about star wars each and every week and if you know anything about what's coming in star wars we have so much to talk about these days in star wars with so much happening with the disney plus series the end of the skywalker saga so check it out and then last but not least i do a great little show with my friend courtney called cinema stories but that's where we talk about films and we do that through the lens of faith so we want to say thank you so much for joining us and y'all come back now you hear here